Hi, my name is Aviva, and I will be having a conversation with Bethany for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. It's December 26th, and it's being recorded in the Dunkin' Donuts on 6th. Yep. Yeah. Hi. Hello. Could you tell me your full name? Uh, my name is Bethany Hine. Okay. And where were you? Where are you from? I grew up in Connecticut, but I moved around quite a bit. Lived in Vermont, New York, Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. What was Connecticut like? I hate Connecticut. Yeah, it's a little shithole, especially being a trans person. It was a lot easier before I came out there. Yeah. What was your early life like there? Um, I grew up in like lower middle class, middle class household. Um, my father was abusive. Um, my mother was, I guess she tried, but she, I don't think, knew what to do. Um, shit. Um, <laughs> my home life was pretty shitty. Um, I had learning disabilities growing up, so I was like in special ed as soon as I can remember, which singled me out. Um, so growing, growing up was uh, pretty tough. Um, I don't really want to get too much into it, but I was molested a few times. Um, just a lot of dumb shit, you know. Um, my brothers were quite abusive to me. I was the youngest of four. Um, My youngest brother is 10 years older than me. I grew up getting the shit kicked out of me by all three of them. Um, my father was a recovering alcoholic as well. Like, so he started drinking again, I think, when I was 13. And that, that was pretty rough. Um, I was homeless my first time at 13. I, I couldn't stand like, living in my parents' household any longer. My brother ended up taking me and my youngest brother. Um, I went to prison my first time at 16. Um, I left Connecticut like, the first time on a long-term basis. I think it was right when I was 19, right after my car accident. I went up to Burlington, Vermont. I lived up there for like three and a half, four years um, before I came back down here. Um, I basically, I, I've been running my whole life, really. Running from myself, running from my family. You know, I got started on drugs quite young. Um, wasn't anything major until my car accident, and that got me hooked on opiates. And that's been like 20 years of hell now. I, you know, I was clean for six years before I had to run here. But um, when I got here, I wasn't able to get on a program again immediately, so I ended up back on dope. Uh, finally got on the program at Bellevue, and they treated me so horribly, so horribly. I was misgendered by my own counselor every day. Every time I saw anybody in there, I was misgendered. Um, the last straw for me was the hospital police giving me, like, straight up harassment, like, screaming at me about using the women's bathroom in the lobby of Bellevue, like, embarrassing living shit out of me. And I decided I was either gonna kill myself or just come back out here, you know? So I've been back out just doing my thing ever since. I, you know, I couldn't take it there. Like, at least in Connecticut, the program that I was in, like, they, they treated me decently, you know? Um, 
they were very like trans inclusive, LGBTQ inclusive. Um, the Apt Foundation in New Haven. And when was that that you were there? Oh God, um, I left in May, I think. When, when um, everything with my mother like, that caused me to run from Connecticut. Like, she was trying to have me put into a psychiatric hospital. She had already done it for two weeks. I was uh, in um, Middlesex Hospital, I think, in the psychiatric hospital. Like, I thought it was there because I was suicidal. My mother told the police that I was threatening to kill her and burn her house down. She basically trying to get rid of me. You know, put me somewhere where I can't be of a bother anymore. It's basically because of who I am. You know, my whole family, other than my mother, when I came out, like, would have nothing, absolutely nothing to do with me. My brothers, like my aunts, uncles, cousins, like. Was it because they were religious or what? No, no. I come from a very bigoted, racist household. Like, it's a miracle I ended up being the person that I am. Like, you know, having no hatred in my heart. Cause, I mean, like, from the youngest of ages, like, my grandfather was a huge, huge bigot. He thought black people should be back in slavery for shit's sake, you know? I had, uh, maybe six or seven years old, I had a kid from my baseball team, uh, only black kid in our town that I knew of at the time. I had him over after baseball practice. My grandfather came out waving a shotgun, screaming, get that off my property or I'll shoot him. Like, that, that's the kind of family I grew up in. Like, I went dressed as a girl was hot, at, on Halloween when I was like six or seven as well. Like This is when I knew I had to hide who I was. My father was home when we got home. Me and my mother literally tore the clothes off me and beat me within an inch of my life. Like, I couldn't even go. I, they kept me home from school for almost two weeks because of it. Like, I was that, like, beat up, beat beating, like, I was a grown, grown, you know, I, there was no holding back. And I, I didn't come out until he started suffering from, like, severe Alzheimer's. But, and in my mind, it was no longer a threat. I mean, it was no longer really a physical threat to me. But, you know, emotionally, like, mentally, like, I was still terrified. And, you know, so that, it took me until I was like 31 years old to come out like, when he couldn't even remember my name anymore. Did you know other trans people when you were growing up or I, I pretty much avoided them if I did see them for fear of outing my own self. You know, um, I unless I was like down here in New York or something like that, like, I pretty much avoided any and all contact with anyone that was LGBTQ. Just for fear that associating with them myself would make people question me. Mm -hmm. You know? Were there certain kinds of people you associated yourself with? Like, who were you talking to at those times? I mean, most people consider the people I associate with like low people, but, you know, I, I associate with like gangsters and drug dealers, and, you know? Like, those are the people that have taken care of me since I was a kid, you know? It wasn't my family. What does care look like? Food in my belly, you know? Roof over my head, you know? Shit like that. You know, the emotional stuff is nice, but it's extraneous for the most part, you know? I didn't get much of that growing up. Like, love and affection really weren't, like, a big thing in my household, you know? We were basically supposed to be seen and not heard, really. Yeah. I don't know a better way to put it, you know. 
even my older brothers, like they got it a lot worse than I did because my dad was like drinking heavily, heavily when they were growing up. So he was a lot more vicious I think, than he was with me. And I think that's part of the reason my brothers fucked me up so bad is because they they saw how differently I was treated compared to them. You know, I, one of my brothers actually talked to me about it. Like, how he like still to that he's dead now but he resented me because of the way I was brought up compared to them you know he never knew who I really was he never knew the fear I lived in every day you know every time my mom would find like an article of women's clothing in my bedroom or something like that they terrified me you know I don't know what she thought or she's refused to ever talk to me about it even since I've come out she doesn't really accept like, the idea that I'm Bethany that other person like you know she still thinks that person's alive that person died like, the day I came out that person died gone like, I burned every picture I could find like, from my past like, everything like, my mom I'm sure still has a few squirreled away but I burned just about everything she had I destroyed hard drives, <laughs> you know, I erased that person as best as I could, you know, because that person was a lie, straight up fucking lie, you know, every day of my life I lived a lie, and I, my two biggest pet peeves are liars and thieves, you know, and I was forced to fucking live a lie my whole entire life, you know, I knew who I was from my earliest, like, ideas of what gender was, I knew I wasn't right, you know, I knew something was wrong. Didn't really understand it, you know, until I was five, five, six. I really kind of understood, like, I was in the wrong body, so to speak. And, you know, like, I, I've lived a lie ever since. And I, like, before, before I transitioned socially, I, I lived, like, a very hyper-masculine life. Like, you know, kind of just make sure I wasn't outed in any way, you know. Like, everything I did, I made sure it was, like, gone, you know, gone all over the and it, 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 it sucks. Like, I was miserable every moment. You know, I, I've been cutting myself, burning myself, shit like that since I was 10 years old, probably. You know, I've been out of rehab, psychiatric hospitals. And most of that has stopped since I've come over. Like, you know, I mean, I still occasionally have to go to the psychiatric hospital for my depression. I'm bipolar. So sometimes I dive a little off the deep end and like I'll check myself in but it's not like it used to be like, you know emergency committals against my will five point restraints you know like I used to like it was hard it was really hard but you know I mean even even my drug problem isn't the same as it used to be because I'm not that's like I used to be trying to just obliterate my mind you know they, I'm still using heroin right now, but I'm not using it to like get blotted. I mean, I'm using it basically just to maintain because I won't go to the fucking clinic because the way I'm treated, you know? I do four, maybe five bags a day on an average day, which is enough to make me not sick, you know, maybe feel a little bit better, but it's not enough to get me like, you see these people on the side of the street, like literally with like needles on the ground in front of them drooling, you know? Like, I don't want to be like that anymore. I really don't even want to be using these drugs, but it is what it is, you know, like, this is the better option for me, 
and that's sad too that to be out using heroin is a better option for me mentally than freaking being in a clinic at what's supposed to be one of the best hospitals in the country Bellevue like come on like, they can't even gender me properly hospital freaking police is harassing me for using women's bathroom you know, I, I get harassed all the time by the parks police too when I use the bathroom over in Washington Square you know like um, just a couple of weeks ago I had one come in there and freaking harass me for like two three minutes telling me I was in the wrong bathroom after I I'm like no I'm, I know where I'm supposed to be there's a sign right outside the bathroom that explicitly says what New York City's law and bathroom use policy and yo, he, he was totally disrespectful, rude, and nobody would do a thing. The supervisor wouldn't even come when I finally, after like 20 minutes of arguing with him, got him to call a supervisor. Like, you know, nobody gives a shit. I don't know whether it's because I'm trans or whether it's because I'm homeless or whether it's because I'm an intersection of the two. Like, probably both, I imagine. But like, it, it's just, it's wrong. You know? Like, I thought when I came out, like, and I came, especially when I came to New York, I didn't think I was going to have to deal with this shit as much. I, I really didn't. I thought it was, especially when I came over here, I thought it was going to be a lot better. But it's still, I mean, it's a lot better than it probably was for somebody coming out 20 years ago. But, I mean, shit still sucks. Like, you know, like, people that walk behind, like, spit at my signs, like that, you know, just kick the shit. Like, I, I deal with some nasty people every day sucks like I shouldn't have to just for like existing you know I deal with it a lot better than I used to I learned like, what other people think about me doesn't really fucking matter like, you know what you think about me what you think about me it's none of my business you know really unless you're doing something to harm me it really doesn't matter what you think about me you know and you can kick my side it hurts but you know it's what it is, man. You're showing yourself to be a lower person as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know? What do you draw in to give you strength? Honestly, like, other people's kindness a lot of the time. You know, um, when somebody's kind enough to like, stop and talk to me. You know? Um, what kind of people stop and talk to you? Like, is there... Or, I don't know, is there an no, agenda or is I, just random? I, there's definitely some people that have agendas, for sure. You know, um, a lot of the Christian people, they, they'll try and like start. <laughs> I don't even want to get into that. But it, it's no fun, needless <laughs> to say. Like, they'll start out all nice and sweet, and then they get to uh, <laughs> the LGBTQ agenda <laughs> and kind of go south from there most of the time. Um, most people that stop, though, they're just genuinely kind people, you know, people that want to help, you know, and that, that's really, like, what keeps me going. There's a lot of assholes here, but the people that are kind are just really just amazing people, you know. And what have been some other important connections that you've had throughout your life? Are there like... Animals. Animals. Um, I was actually going to school to become a veterinarian when I got my brain injury. Where was that that you were going to school? Um, I was going to Freedom College of Vermont. Okay. Doing all the prerequisites and shit that I needed to go into veterinary school. Yeah. And what drew you to that? I've always been an animal person. Um, 
you know, I, my mom has my service dog right now and refuses to give her back to me. She's my second service dog. I've had a service dog for a little over 15 years now. And, uh, yeah, I've always been able to just relate to animals a lot better. You know, people, they, they do have agendas, you know. They, they will, an animal that shows just unconditional love. Do you go anywhere to be with animals here? Um, most of the time, they just come by. Yeah. You know, I have a lot of people that, like, literally, like, they, you know, they live in the neighborhood, and they bring their dog by pretty much every day to say hello. And like, I get a little bit of puppy therapy for five or ten minutes, and they go on their way, and then another one comes along, you know. So I probably got ten, twelve dogs that come by on like, an almost daily basis with their owner. So sweet. Yeah. And people see how I relate to their dogs. They're happy to do it, you know. Because the dogs, like, there's this one dog, Billy. She literally, like, freaks out and piddles every time she sees me. Right? so cute. But, um, what are some, because living on the street, you're just vulnerable to so much. What are what are some nice, I don't know, nicer aspects to relate to? Yeah. Um, out and being around people. Now that it's winter, it sucks way more. But like during the summer, I really like I, I enjoyed myself here. Like the the people you get to meet, like I've never had access to such a broad array of people. You know, they just you see absolutely anything and everything that you could see walking right by here. You know, they like, you hear a million different languages when you're sitting there walking by, talking French, Chinese, Japanese, you know, Korean. It, it's, um, you know, it, you just, the diversity, I, I think it's beautiful. Do you, you know, just spend time in other parts of the city, or are you mostly posted? I, I'm pretty much, um, <laughs> basically for views of my stuff. Like, I get stolen from every day anyway. Yeah. I have like, nothing left that I came here with, like, pretty much nothing of value. I have blankets, hip clothes which get robbed for me regularly, too. I caught some woman the day before Christmas walking into the park with my scarf on. Like, as soon as she walked by me, she pulled her hood over the scarf right here, actually. Like, she knew it was stolen. She knew it was mine. And she was trying to hide it, you know. Like, I got drugged out in Brooklyn by some dude. They woke up in the hospital with one shoe. My purses were missing. No clue how I even got there. <laughs> and what do you do when you when that happens? You just go back to your like just what is, go go back to life, you know. Like, what am I gonna do? Yeah. You know, cops won't do anything. Are there any consistent people that you talk to to like check know? in with? Um, there there's a couple. Um, there's a street photographer that I've uh, worked with a bit, Suzanne. Um, she's a sweetheart. She actually came by a little while ago. Say hello. Um, Judith Windsor is a friend of mine. Um, you probably heard of her wife. Um, she passed away. Edith Windsor. Like, that was her wife. Like, she lives around the corner and she's kind of taken me under her wing and given me a lot of help and kindness. Um, yeah, there, there, there's a few people that they really just make things a lot easier, you know. And prior to being living on the streets, did you have other forms of employment, or did you work with? Um, I've been on disability for uh, I want to say five years now. And that's since the car accident. 
No, um, I didn't get disability immediately. Like, I didn't get that until, like I said, four or five years ago. The car accident was in 2001. You know, I tried to get by doing like this, that, and the other thing. Um, you know, working like side jobs, my, like construction, uh, off and on in restaurants. I don't really hold jobs very well. A lot to do with my brain injury. Like, I don't remember things very well. So, a lot of bosses don't tolerate like, having to tell you to do the same thing five times before you finally get it done. Stuff like that, you know. Um, I literally used all that yesterday. I forgot you guys were even supposed to be here today. Like, if you didn't call me, <laughs> who knows? Like, I, I totally forgot, you know. I'm probably the most just annoying thing in my life, my memory. Do you have other community here? Do you have other trans girls that you bond with or that you befriended? Um, not really. Um, I'm kind of alone a lot of the time. Anyway, I have severe trust issues. <laughs> um, but I've noticed a lot of like the LGBTQ population like ignores me. You know, like, they walk by, they won't even look at me. You know, so. Um, no, I haven't really bonded with um, There was When I first got here and I was up in Union Square, there was another homeless trans girl that um, I kind of bonded with, but I haven't seen her in five or six months now, probably. Um, and I've been up to Union Square where she used to be, and I haven't seen her around. I don't know whether she left, got locked up, died, who knows, you know kind of hard to keep track of this when we decide to uh, move on, you know? Like, when I go where I'm going today, like, nobody's going to know where the fuck I am. Yeah, so you, you feel more bonded with homeless trans women people or people that live on the streets than um, people that perhaps have more economic wealth that are just... Yeah, most assuredly, most assuredly. Like, yeah, I get more love from, like, people that you wouldn't think would even give me the time of day. You know, like, literally, like, I, I have homeless people come by and throw me 20s, you know, like, and these rich LGBTQ people, like, just, they, they, they won't even give me a cigarette, you know, like, I don't know what it is, like, whether they're like, you, you shouldn't be out there, what it is, I, it really doesn't matter, you know, but it really is sad that there's not much solidarity. Even just saying hello, you know. Um, my last sign, it ended up getting stolen, but um, said right on it, like, I care more about like, your time than your money. Like, I'd much rather you stop and say hello for five minutes than throw a dollar in my hat. I'd like both, but, you know, like, money definitely helps. You can't live without it, but, you know, I'll take the time any day, but, you know. I ended up spending most of my Christmas with him yesterday. You know, well, we well, just sat there and chilled, you know, talked. And they're, they're the ones I get most of my love from. I don't trust anybody really, but, you know, they're the people that I choose to hang out with and stuff. They're the ones that show me love. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are people from the community like Judith and stuff like that that show me my love. But you'd think, especially being where I'm at, like, there'd be more, 
like, you know, just people saying hello. I mean, I'll say good morning to people walking by on their way to work. They just walk by me, you know. Like, I don't, like, I'm not even there, you know. Have you felt like there's a shift with iPhones or, like, technology? Where oh, people... big time, you know. People, like, some of it, I think, is an excuse to ignore you. You know, because you'll see them, like, 20, 30 feet away from you and pull out their phone. You know? <laughs> Come on, I'm not stupid. You know? Uh, my minor was psychology, so <laughs> I have a fairly good idea. Um, yeah, no, People are so plugged in, tuned into their, you know, ear pods or whatever they're called. They, that's one of the reasons I dropped out completely. They, I don't even use the link box to make a phone call unless I absolutely have to. They, so you don't want to be connected in any way to them? Not at all. Facebook, Twitter, none of that shit. Yeah. Email. And, what is, and why is that for you? Yeah, I think technology is really like the downfall of communication between people and society. Like, you'll see two people sitting there right next to each other. Instead of talking, they're texting. Like, come on, man. What the fuck is wrong with people? You know? I mean, I just don't, I don't get it. You know? Um, if I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to talk to you. you know, I want to sit there, you know? Like, all I use a link box for is be like, okay, I'll see you there. You know, is a link box? Is that a, what is that? They're like the free phone. Like, <gasps> oh, okay, okay. The the television screens on like, in the rich neighborhoods. Okay. Yeah, you know, say don't go much past First Avenue going that way. Mm. Yeah, but like, you can make phone calls, get directions. <gasps> um, oh, I know about those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I don't even like to use those. I I won't even get like a little battery powered radio. And I love music. What kind of music do you like? Everything. Everything. Yeah. Really like um, like Sublime. Obviously, The Grateful Dead. Um, yeah. Like classical music, jazz. Anything really. Um, yeah. Other than Christmas music, I'm good with. You know, yeah. um, but no, most music. Uh, Hopefully, we're over the hump with that one. Yeah, please. Um, <laughs> Did you ever used to go to concerts or go yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. Um, I still do when I get a chance. It's kind of hard right now. But yeah. I love music. I have a friend who's a street musician, South Five. Once in a while, you know, once twice a week, he'll sit there and play a few songs for me. It's always nice. You know. Other than that, like, I don't get to hear much music other than people walking by without the portable Bluetooth speakers and shit like that, you know. I'll go into Washington Square on the weekend and listen to the guy that plays the piano in there. Like, that's always nice. There's a few jazz groups that play in there on, like, a fairly regular basis. Yeah. So I'll go sit down and chill for a little while, listen to them. Do you have any Oh, okay. I'm just, I wanted to check in with Elizabeth. Um, I'm a, I'll interject if and when. Okay. But we have the opportunity to talk other times. So. Yeah, we've, we've met a few times. She's one of the people that were kind of yeah. just stopping and giving me the time of day. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, I always appreciate yeah, yeah, yeah. it. I'm grateful when people stop and talk to me. Do you have ways of orienting towards your future like are there certain things that you have in mind that like you want to be able to like get to that place or have um, that experience 
And honestly, I'd like to have a roof over my head, enough money to take care of my basic needs, you know, I'd like to try and help other people. I, I do as much as I can here to help other people. I get a lot of food a lot of the time, so like, I'll feed a bunch of the other homeless people. I get the donuts here at night. Like they bring out all the donuts that are left over to me. I take what I want. I bring the rest over to Washington. And there's a bunch of people that sleep under the scaffolding over there. So I'll take and I'll drop off all the donuts and like whatever extra food I have over there for them. You know, um, extra blankets. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's sad that homeless people, like, in the, yeah, I've never been in a community like this, like, where homeless people steal from other homeless people. It's kind of sad, but, like, we also, like, not all of us are like that. Like, most of the homeless people out here, they may be drug addicts, they may be, you know, shoplifters, boosters, whatever, but, like, deep down, they're good people, you know, and if you're their people, they'll do what they can to take care of you. Yeah. It's just really unfortunate circumstances, you know? And a lot of that has to do with freaking very racist and bigoted drug laws. You know, I mean, all their drug laws in the beginning were implemented for racially biased purposes, you know? I mean, even the change in federal sentencing guidelines for crack back in the 1980s. Like, rich white people on Wall Street sniff powder cocaine where black people in Harlem are smoking crack, you know? Let's make the penalties for crack worse. White dude on Wall Street walks away with probation and a fine. Black dude trying to support his family gets 10 years. Kidding me? I don't know. They just took and did like they've done in other countries. Like, you know? I got strung out by a fucking doctor. I I was just smoking a ton of weed, drinking a lot, you know, shit like that before I got in my car accident. And then the doctor was freely giving me mad pain medication for a couple of years and then just cut me off out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, it was 2003 I got cut off, like, right when the whole opiate epidemic was popping up. You know? Yeah. I went up one day and he gave me my last script and that was that. starting to purchase the shit on the street one thing went to another mm. it's been 20 years almost now opiate addiction yeah. You, know? yeah you know what I don't feel guilty about it though oh, yeah. you know like I don't believe what I'm doing is wrong I believe that's a societally based perception you know I'll just say people that look differently as somebody who injects drugs as opposed to sniffs them you know, like people give that like dirty look to somebody who checks drugs. If you do it properly, there's nothing wrong with it. How do doctors give you drugs when you're in the hospital? You know? Yeah. So it's um, all societally based perceptions. Same as the perceptions of the LGBTQ community. Yeah. You know? It, it's all... Sus- what would you say to a bunch of these like more wealthy, rich, or gay people that are walking by and not looking at you? Like, what would you want them to know? when you see that happening and that they're ignoring your sign or that... Yo, just say hello. Yeah. Introduce yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Acknowledge you. Remind me, I'm not alone. Totally. I'm so sorry you had that experience. Because a lot of times it really does feel like I'm alone. 
I sit here probably awake probably 20 hours a day. Mm. And I'm sitting here for most of that time. And what was that time? Completely long. You know, maybe a couple hours a day between all the people that stop by. Do I have any sort of social interaction? I mean, most of the time, like, that's the reason I'll compliment people, stuff like that. I'll try and draw them into a conversation. They don't care. I mean, you say, God bless you, when somebody sneezes, they won't even say thank you. You know, like, what, I'm trying to, I, I made you sneeze so I could say God bless you so I could get something from you for real, like, you know? And I'm not like the dudes that are down the next block that are freaking sitting there drunk all day harassing people, you know? Like, I don't ask anybody for money. Like, I don't say, hey, can you spare some change? Like, I mean, I do occasionally when I'm but that's usually when it's like really slow. There's like one or two people walking by every couple of minutes, like late at night and stuff like that, you know? Other than that, like, if people want to help me, please help me. Like, other than that, I don't ask anybody for anything. Yeah. And you're able to feed yourself and get by through people giving you money. And it's not easy, but yeah. Yeah. This place called Goddard Riverside. They, somebody that walked by and talked to me sent them to me. And they came by a couple of times and I sent them away thinking they were with the city. Because I don't want anything to do with the city or the city shelter system. That's Have what, you been in the shelter system? Yeah. Um, what happened? One, one of the freaking uh, homeless police tried blackmailing me for a sexual favor. And the supervisor wouldn't do a fucking thing about it. So I packed my shit and I left. Yeah. Told me he was going to plant drugs on me and have me arrested. So, and then, I mean, a lot of the other girls there were having to do shit like that. They were, they were born in their lives and didn't mind doing it. I do. And so this place is... It's a safe haven. It's not associated with the city. They get funding, I think, from the city. But it's not a dorm. It's not bedroom with two beds and a share room with another woman. Um, I don't know what kind of building it is. I have no idea. I know it's a walk-up. There's no elevator, so um, it's on West 40th, between I think 7th and 8th, something like that. So it's probably brownstone or something like that. You know, um, probably a five, six-story building, I imagine. Um, probably turned into I hope it helps you. I hope it's going to be better than being out here on the streets all winter. You know? And there's no curfew. I can come and go as I please. Like, you know, the things that really hinder me a lot like, aren't necessarily barriers for me. You know, like, I'm a night person. I don't know. Like, so having a curfew of like 9 or 10 o'clock at night at some city shelter, that doesn't really work too well for me. You know? Like, this is a place from what I'm told that basically you're treated like you're living in an apartment basically. 
you know, you have to check in every three days or some shit. Like, you know, let them know you're still there, you're still alive. And other than that, you know, you're left to your own devices. I guess they do feed you if you want, like, okay. which, which is great. Yeah. Like, but. And do you have advice for other trans girls on the street? Like, is there things that you've learned through the years that would help um, other people sleep during the day for your safety for sure that's one of the reasons I stay up all night now like wait until there's people out on the streets before you go to sleep so like you know um be careful who you trust for sure um act like nobody is your friend for real (laughs) and these are shitty things to have to say you know, it's the truth of the matter, you know. Um, yeah, maybe just take care of yourself, you know. Like, t- take care of yourself. Don't worry about other people's shit. Like, don't get involved in drama. Just uh, do your best to take care of yourself, you know. Like, if you can help somebody else, do it, for sure, but... Take care of number one first. You have to. Because nobody else is going to do it for you out here. Are there any other stories or things you want to share for the archive for people to know about? Um, I mean... Um, God, there's a, there's a million of them. But yeah. I, I tell you what, I've never felt so free and happy like since I've come out as since I've like come to New York and even if I haven't had as much interaction with my community as I'd like like being able to see every day like walking down the street people like myself you know um, that, that's a wonderful thing you know that's what I was talking about about like the diversity of this place earlier you know like seeing guys walking down the street holding hands, women walking down the street holding hands, kissing each other, you know? Where I come from, like, even in New Haven, like, that shit really doesn't freaking happen, you know? Like, here I see stuff like that every day, and, like, every time I do it, it warms my heart. Um, I just wish we'd be kinder to one another. Because um, it's hard enough as it is, like, without getting peed up on along the way, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and I wish like cis people were just like a little bit more open-minded. You know, like the people that just wantonly come by and are just rude or nasty for like no reason I haven't said a word to them you know just, just think for a minute what it might be like to be in my shoes you know um, do you want to purposely like it, it's like kicking a wounded animal like what's the point you know like really like, you know and you're gonna end up getting bit like I've been so grateful I let this experience turn me into something that I'm not, you know? It's brought me close a few times. Like, it's brought me, like, close. But 
man, I used to like, hold on to my humanity no matter what. That's been like one thing I kind of told myself. Cause, like, I gotta hold on to that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hard as it can be sometimes, like, I got to, you know? Once I let go of that, like, all bets are off, you know? Like, then it's. Bad movie, you know. Like after that, like, so I, I I do my best to just try and you know um, let shit get under my skin anymore. Like still does, but not, definitely not as much as it used to. Yeah. Like, um, I receive harassment and shit like that, like in Connecticut, like shit like. But it was nothing like it is here, you know. Like, that's just because of the difference in the number of people. You know, in New Haven or Waterbury, I'd maybe run past a thousand people in a day. Here, about a thousand people walk by me in 20 minutes. You know, so it's just yeah. the law of averages, you know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, and there's so many more assholes here than you are back at home but like I said I just try not to let it get on my skin anymore yeah try to still be kind to people even when even when they're nasty to me now like I started just praying for them you know like something will change in them that'll take away that like hardness and that heaviness from their heart like to where they can be kind to somebody else you know you don't need to give a homeless person money. You just give them the time of day, man. Like, for real. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so lucky that you gave us the time of day for the archive. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad to have been able to add the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it.